Hey guys, happy Easter. Okay, happy Easter. Come on, there's so much to celebrate for. You heard me say this a minute ago. Listen, if we only got to go to heaven, if we only got to go to heaven, that's enough. Amen? There's so much of heaven on this side. There's so much that Jesus paid for. Yes. That's why he calls us a disciple, because a disciple is a learner. We want to learn what in the world this Savior, how much he loved us, what he died for. We want to learn. But if he just died to get us to heaven, that would be enough. The rest of our life, the rest of eternity, we could just thank him. That's enough. Amen? Today we celebrate he conquered death. Okay? Anybody love getting old? Anybody love getting old? <laughs> hey, listen, it happens. It happens. But real talk, listen, if we celebrate, if we celebrate the resurrection, if we celebrate what Jesus did, we also even celebrate that. We celebrate because we know we're closer to seeing him face to face. Scripture says we see through a mirror dimly, but then face to face. There's no one in this room that can be, even can begin to understand what it's going to be like with him forever. Y'all know heaven's not like we're on a cloud with a harp hanging out. Y'all know it's not like that, right? Y'all know that we also have a job in heaven? Y'all know that? I'm going to mess everybody up for a minute. Y'all know we have a job in heaven? Y'all know that, right? You're like, you, you kidding me, right? I thought it was like permanent retirement forever. No, what you do on this side of eternity depicts even in eternity. That's why it's so important as disciples that we learn. We learned that Jesus loved us so much that he would die for us. Why did he become a man? Why was that the plan? Pastor Nate talked about it. He had to become just like us to die for us, to die in our place, but also to teach us, to teach us what it's like to live on this side and to live in the presence of the Father and live a life of victory. You guys good? I had to wake you up for a minute. Hey, so listen, we're going to wrap up today part three of a series we're calling How the Cross Became the Throne. How the Cross Became the Throne. Before I jump into that, man, listen, um, I just, I love when they came to the tomb on the first day. That's today. They came to the tomb early in the morning, and Mary, Mary Magdalene, all right, she sees these angels, and they, they, they say this statement right here, and I love it. We can read it all the time. It says, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Come on. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Ask the Lord about that phrase because there's so much in the fact that what he conquered. Amen. Amen. You guys good? All right, we're going to have this up on the screen. So, like I said, we're on part three of a series. I'm going to do just a TED recap, and we're going to jump into tonight. And then after the service, I'm going to pray for you guys, and we're going to let the little ones go out there and chase eggs. And it's going to be fun. Pick up eggs. It's not really hiding eggs. We're just going to, they're going to pick up eggs. All right, so um, Psalms 97.2, Psalms 97 it should be up on the screen. It says, clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice is the foundation of his throne. And what we begin to talk about for the last two weeks is how the most horrible, the most brutal form of death that basically man could conjure up, God actually chose something that offensive, all right, 
that horrible, he chose that as his place of victory for all of us. It's almost like he sat, all right? He sat there. The cross actually became God's throne where he would judge Satan, he would judge sin, he would judge everything in this world, and he would do it in our place to give us the victory. Three days ago on Friday at noon is when you see this scripture begin to manifest clouds and darkness surround him because at noon 2,000 years ago all of creation bowed down and it got dark for three hours. This is when the king of glory was taking our place. Hear me guys. He was taking our place. That was our place. That was our destiny to die because of sin and he took our place so that we could take his place. What is that? His throne, his place of victory. Are you with me? So we talked about in week one, this picture of what he was willing to go through, and we were beholding him. That's what we were doing. We were painting a picture inside of our hearts so that we could behold him, and God was doing something unique in all of our hearts. This is what he was doing. He was releasing his faith inside of your heart. Scripture says that you get a measure of faith the, the moment you get born again, but God was releasing his faith inside of your heart. And it's like a door was cracked open in heaven for you to begin to walk on a new, walk in a new place with him. Are y'all with me? And if you wasn't here, check it out. All right? We have it up. You can go check it out. But I really believe that it's for every single person, but it's a door cracked open where we can begin this new place. God so wants you to win. And the way you win is you've got to operate by his faith. You've got to operate that way in order to win. So he's given us a gift because he's saying, I loved you, I died for you, but I want you to win. So I'm going to give you my faith so that you can actually begin to even get like a shot in the arm with your journey. Does that make sense? Day two, we talked about what happened for three days. Clouds and darkness surround him. And while we're on this side of heaven, there's going to be some clouds, there's going to be some darkness, but he's given us the victory. There's going to be some clouds. There's going to be some darkness, but he's given us the victory. And we talked about this. Listen, God don't have Satan on a leash, and he's just allowing things to happen to us on this side of eternity. He's actually defeated Satan, and he says, you got him on a leash. Okay? So whatever we face, he's given us the victory. And I believe last week what God was doing that was so unique is he was covering us. He was baptizing us in a new place of his love. You know, every single one of us, as we go on this journey, we need some stuff flushed out. We need some stuff flushed out. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like when you go on a fast, you kind of flush the system out. Like, we always need God, and God won't tell you everything that's going on in your life, because if he did, I promise you, you would run from him. There's stuff that he will tell you and there's stuff that he don't. And sometimes he'll baptize us in love and he'll flush out the fear. He'll flush out the different things that we've kind of picked up and things that we know that's shaken us and things that's, that really we don't know that's shaken us. And scripture says there's no fear in, there's no fear in love. So God will actually give you another gift. He says, I'll baptize you afresh in my love and I'll remove some of that fear in your life that trepidation, that, that reason why you seem to be like, on, on Sunday I'm good, on Monday I'm kind of down, on Wednesday I plane out, and I can't seem to just keep going like this. Because God has to sometimes flush some stuff out. Does that make sense? Every day's been a gift, and even today, Resurrection Day, 
You know, it's interesting because when you come before a king, you're supposed to bring a, a gift. You're supposed to bring a gift. I mean, like when Jesus was born, remember, there was, it wasn't three wise men. Y'all know that, right? It was three gifts. I know. <laughs> All right? It was three gifts. But they, they come and they, they bring gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But it's very interesting that God, who is the king, always likes to bring us gifts. And even inside of this season right here, he wants to give even more gifts to our life. So where was Jesus at for three days? Jesus had to go into the most horrible place. The cross actually wasn't the most horrible place. The most horrible place was actually where our sin would have to be buried, and it was in hell. All right, if you're from the country, you would say hail. All right, if you're from the country. But no, he had to take it. He had to take our sin, and he had to actually bury it. And there was a level of justice that heaven required, and he was paying in our place. And picking up right here, because this is what he says. He was in hell, and he quotes this scripture in Revelations 1. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys to Hades and death. Where did he get him? Where did he get him? He was there. He was there. And when the spirit of God went down inside of hell, after three days, he says, you tear this temple down. In three days, I will raise it up. The spirit of God went down there and literally rose Jesus from the dead. That's when he put his foot on Satan's neck and all of hell bowed down. And he did that for you. Like there is not a devil that trumps you. It's not a competition with God and Satan. He defeated him and he defeated him as you. And he had his foot on his neck. And God wants you to see that image, but he says, I have the keys. So he took keys from hell and he's also got keys from heaven. So keys represent what? Keys represent something that could lock something up, right? Lock something up or it represents something that could be unlocked so that something could get free. And I really believe this. I believe that the gift today is a gift where God wants to give you keys. He wants to give you specific keys for your life. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 16 when he was talking about building the kingdom. Let's say it another way. This is the only place in Scripture where I've seen that Jesus says, I will build my church. Let's take church out and put you. Let's take the word build out and let's just say this right here. Jesus says, I personally choose to put my hands on you and fashion you. This is my heart. You are my responsibility. That's how Jesus looks at you. He says, you are my responsibility. I died for you. I love you. And I want to put my hands on you and fashion you. And inside of that context in Matthew 16, he says, when you allow me to do this, I give you the keys to the kingdom. I give you keys that will unlock heaven. But I also give you the keys that I went down inside of hell and I smashed that rascal and I took keys from him. Because God wants us to set people free. He wants us to have keys so that people could be set free. But he also wants us to have keys so that things could be unlocked in heaven. We, do, do we really believe that God is withholding in heaven? I mean, to a degree, we all struggle with this. We've prayed and something hasn't happened. And you're like, I mean, you're God. Why don't you just do it? I've done that. I've been frustrated, mad, and shook my fist and all those things. It don't work. 
You know what I mean? And God don't, watch this, God don't get offended at your anger, at your frustration. He don't. He don't want you to leave that way. He's kind of consistent. You know what I'm saying? He's going to do what he's going to do. And he's going to do what he says in the word. And that's why it's so important as I open up. It says, you know, we, we have to learn. We got to learn what Jesus paid for. When Paul says, I preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, it doesn't just mean Jesus died and rose again. That's not what it means. It means everything the cross paid for in the resurrection. That's from Genesis to Revelation. The fullness of the cross and the resurrection. What all did he pay for? And learning that, knowing that God wants to give us even more keys. God's not in, in heaven withholding things. I've thought that. Anybody else want to be brave enough to hold their hands and think that? All right, rest of y'all just lying. We, we can repent. It's all good. <laughs> it's Resurrection Sunday. All right. Y'all okay? There's so many powerful keys that God has given you. I'm going to land on one. I'm going to chat with you about a couple. All right? I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive, listen to this, forever. And I have the keys to Hades and death. I have the keys. There are some keys that God wants to give you. Where hell is ransacking our neighborhoods, our communities, our schools, things we know about, things we don't know about. God wants to give us keys. At the same time, there's some things up in heaven that God could begin to speak to you about today. But let's be clear. This is just the beginning of a process. This is the beginning of a journey. All right? We never get to a place where we have it all. So Psalms 103 is something that I just love, and I'm just going to kind of go through it real quick, and um, then I'll chat with you about some keys. So Psalms 103 just talks about, and they're keys. He says he's forgiven you, Nate, of every single sin. And a lot of us are familiar with that, right? God's forgiven us, 1 John 1, 9. If you mess up, you confess your sin. But you know what? I think the key that God wants to give us is he wants us to understand the depth of forgiveness so that we actually make sure that we give forgiveness away. We're more freely apt to just forgive. I run into so many people sometimes that says this word right here. I just can't forgive. And I get it. Sometimes there has been a great pain but we can. And I think that even today that there's healing taking place where God who did forgive us of all sin is actually moving in our hearts so that we can freely forgive as well. It says he's healed us. He's healed us of every sickness at Psalms 103. But you know what? There are physical things that God wants to heal us of. But listen to me, the world right now is plagued with internal sickness. Yeah, I don't have my phone on me. Just click on your phone. Like the world is plagued with this right here, with anxiety and just the fear of filling the gap. And you can have someone at the gas station who is literally thinking about taking their life and God wants to actually give you a key to where, watch this, you're just heightened. You're heightened to your, 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 your surrounding. Jesus was heightened to his surrounding. He says that you can do what he did. So it could just be something as simple as you're aware when something's going on in somebody's life 
God wants to heal us. Are y'all with me? This is more outward focus. This is dealing really right now with how the enemy is plundering people. But not only give us the key to actually discern, but also the wisdom to operate inside of it. The last one's identity. Pastor Nate mentioned it earlier. But he says in Psalms 3, he's crowned you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Listen, you aren't who you used to be. You aren't. There's not a stigma. There's not like, you know what I'm saying? This is just, uh, this is my personality. Um, this is how I'm wired. None of that's true. None of that is true. The moment you accept Jesus, Scripture says you are born again. And if you're born again, you are new. You're new. All right? And because of Jesus and because of his blood, he chose to die for us. He brings us into a place where we are like him. And no matter what's happened in the past, doesn't mean that God don't need to bring healing, but that's not who you are. That is not who you are. Are you with me? That's a key right there. And it's a key for you, but it is a key for everybody around you. The more I realize that and the more I will walk inside of that, sometimes it's not even a matter of me talking to people. There is something that you carry that begins to actually set people free, and all you did was walk in the room. How powerful is that? Scripture says that when uh, Peter walked around, not Jesus, Peter, it says his shadow healed people. It wasn't his shadow. It was God overshadowing him. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the under the shadow. The more you understand who you are, the more heightened the shadow of God is around you, and folks get healed. You don't even talk to them. You won't even know you get to heaven. You might remember when you walked in Walmart. I mean, like, when? Like, I had this moment. I just started weeping over the bananas. Y'all do believe God, right? Y'all do believe God, right? Y'all do understand that Scripture calls you the body of Christ, not the body of Jesus. He calls you the body of Christ. Christ is not his last name. It's his title. It means the anointed one and his anointing. Let me say it another way. It means his absolute full power. And he says you are the body of his power. It don't matter how we feel. He says, that's who you are. I've anointed you. I'm the one that says you're my body of power. So even if you don't feel it, like even if you're walking through Walmart and you're struggling, you're like, man, I need to go cry over the bananas. It don't mean that the, the shadow that's over you is not impacting somebody else. Your bad day does not depict somebody else's new day. All right. Thank you, Jose. Jose's helping me out up here. Appreciate you, brother. Jesus. All right, three keys. I'm going to land on one. That was already three right there, right? I got time. Pastor Nate, like, Pastor Nate hit me with that, that, that watch real quick. So three real quick. Security. Somebody say security. There's a key of security that God is releasing in your life today. All right, Psalms 91. Listen to me, church. A thousand may fall at your side. And 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. It goes on to say in verse 11, it says, angels surround you. I want you to hear me on this, okay? 
Angels surround you. Right now, everywhere you go, angels surround you. Under the old covenant, a whole army came against this prophet. His assistant was freaking out. The prophet said, Lord, open up his eyes. Opened up his eyes, and there was a natural army around them. But God showed them an army of angels wrapped around the man of God, wrapped around in the New Testament every single son and daughter of God. Our army wrapped around you. Are you with me? God wants you to understand that you're so loved, that you're so protected, that you're so secure. And the reason he wants you to hear this is because he's breathing on your life right now to release a freshness when it comes to courage. God does not want us to walk timid. He wants us to walk very boldly and courageously. And the more secure I understand I am because of him, then that gives me this fortitude. It gives me a different song in my heart, a different wiggle in my step. This begins to actually change me and pushes me out. Are y'all with me? So one of the keys that God is releasing is the key of protection. Listen, read Psalm 91. There's 16 verses. Read it back to God. Seriously, read it back to God over you. Make it personal. Read it over your family. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It closes with this right here. With long life, I'll satisfy you. You ever heard that phrase, you're not promised tomorrow? You ain't promised tomorrow. I mean, is that what the Bible says? Is that really what the Word says? I, I don't see that in the Word. The Word actually says the blood of Jesus paid for me to have an inheritance. Why would he not promise? If he paid for me to have an inheritance and a destiny, why would he say I'm not promised tomorrow? Psalms 91. He says, I got a place of protection for you, and I want you to live a long, strong life. Amen? Second key is a key of triumph or a key of victory. Every one of us need this. All right? Got a friend of mine named Christopher here with his family. He walked in today, and he had a key around his neck. And literally, I would love for you just to see, just in your mind's eye, that literally God is placing something around you, a key. And it is a key of triumph. It is a key of victory. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, thanks be to God who always, not sometimes, thanks be to God who always leads you in triumph. And it says, through you, through you, diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. You guys good? I don't never wear a jacket. I'm hot in here. Hey, listen, when Paul was actually giving this, this uh, passage right here, he's the one that penned it. This is the imagery. Rome, at that time, they would go to a land, and then when they conquered the land, they would actually take the king or the general, and they would strip them, and they would put them, all right, inside of like this carriage, and they would take them back before Rome, and they would show them, we've conquered the land, there's their king, stripped, he has no power. He has no power over Rome, okay? It's a little bit more deeper than that. Um, what they would actually do is they would take off these guys. If there's any kids in here. They would take off both their thumbs and both their big toes, and they would take them off. And the reason why is because they would never be able to hold a sword again, and they would never be able. You heard the phrase, stand toe-to-toe? -to -toe? You would never be able to stand 
before Rome. This is the imagery that Jesus gives that he did to Satan for you. He said, I took him out. He cannot stand in your presence. He cannot wield a sword against my child. And I'm the one that goes before you and leads you in triumph. And I want you to see this imagery. That's powerful, isn't it? He can't, he, he's... I mean, all Satan does is run his mouth. That's all he does. That's his gamut. That's it. That's all he does. We said this last week. He acts like a bulldog, but he's a chihuahua. And if you got a chihuahua, no offense. But that's how he acts. And he's drummed up this thing to where he's something, but that's the actual image of who he is in your life. So defeated. And Jesus is the one that led triumph over him. Listen to me. There's a key that God wants to give you right now. And it's this key of victory. But listen how this is how I believe it applies. This is prophetic for your life. It applies in the arena of intercession. And I believe that what God wants to do is God wants you to actually move into this realm of intercession to pray for your family, your community, and those you work with. Meaning that God says, as you do this, I'm going to be the one that walks before you and I'm going to begin to bring triumph in your family, even in your neighborhood. Walk around your neighborhood and be bold to declare what God says in the word. And God will be like, I'm dragging the enemy right here. In that house right there, I'm dragging the enemy right here. And God's bringing victory. It is the key of victory that he's bringing to somebody else. Well, he says, I have the keys of hell inside of that house. And I'm bringing freedom for that marriage. I'm bringing freedom for that child right now that's going through it. You guys good? That's good, bro. That's good. It's all good. All right, let's land here. The greatest key that God can give us is this. It is the key of eternal life. There's no greater key. This is what we celebrate today. The key of eternal life. So when we think of eternal life, we think of eternal life as we get to go to heaven. And that is part of it. All right? But to be honest, that is a very small piece. All right? That's a very small piece. I don't have this in my notes, but it's John 17. Jesus actually said in verse 2, he says, God has given me authority over all flesh. The word authority is synonymous with key. He says he's given me authority, keys, over all flesh. And then he says in verse 3, this is eternal life. Listen to me. He, he describes it. This is eternal life that you may know him. Like the greatest key that God could give you is to know him. That is the greatest key. The greatest key is not getting to go to heaven. God could have figured out something else. But the greatest key is to know him face to face. The apostle Paul, who is the most accomplished man, maybe of that era, sat at the feet of Gamaliel. The greatest academies, institutions, all those things. And he says in Philippians 3, though I had all that, I had this pedigree, he says I counted all as trash. New King James says rubbish. And he says, for this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That I may know him. Listen, God wants you to be accomplished. God wants you to do things. There's nothing wrong with that. It does not compare. It does not compare with knowing him. And this is what I believe that God is actually breathing on in our hearts today. I believe that God is breathing 
on the concept of friendship. When it comes to the key of eternal life, I believe that God is breathing on all of our hearts tonight about this, being a friend of God. Like being able to be right up in his face and you know him. I don't know my grandma's God. I don't know my mama's God. I know Jesus. I know him. I know his voice. I know what he loves. Are y'all with me? I believe that God is releasing these keys in your life. So let's stand for a moment. I'm going to pray for you guys. You can just stay there. I'm going to, sometimes we say come down to the altar. I'm going to bring the altar to you tonight. Is that okay? I'm going to bring the altar to you. Um, if you don't mind, just open your hands for a moment. Just open your hands. Just close your eyes. Just begin to picture for a moment that God is handing you some keys. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for what you've done tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the keys, the key of forgiveness, the key of healing, the key of identity. We thank you, Lord, for security, the key of security, the triumphant key. We thank you, Jesus. I just prophesy over some of you in here right now that whatever report that you heard, Whatever that hamster is that runs around inside of your head and never goes nowhere, that that's not, that is not your life. That's not it. That God is releasing a triumph over you right now to break, to break that mindset, that thing that you can't seem to shake, that feeling, that anxiety. And I just thank you, Lord, for the key of triumph right now, just breaking that mindset and even whatever kind of report that someone got. I just thank you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for the key of eternal life. We do thank you, Jesus. If it was just to go to heaven, that's enough. We thank you. But even today, Lord, I thank you for breathing on all of us with the gift of friendship, for the gift of friendship. So, hey, listen, if you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, today is the best day to do it. Today's the best day. You don't know if you go to sleep tonight you're gonna, and you died, you'd wake up in heaven. Let's be real. It's not fire insurance. But Jesus wants to save us, and he does want us to live in heaven forever. So if you don't know for sure I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. It's okay. I'm not even asking you to bow your heads because we're not ashamed of Jesus. We're not ashamed of the gospel. That's right. We thank you, Jesus. If you don't know, I'm giving it a moment. I'm giving it a moment. If you don't know for sure that you'll live forever with Jesus, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we bless what you're doing. We bless what you're doing. We love you, Jesus. Lord, I bless each and every family here tonight. Thanking you for them. I say that even today is a new day for you. Today is a new day for you, a new season for you. God has marked you and blessed you 
in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say amen.